Hi, welcome to this Physicians Weekly's podcast. My name is Dr. Rachel Giles. I'm your host for this podcast. And today we've got some great interviews as usual. This is Physicians Weekly. Well, hello, friends. And this week's episode is number 109. Welcome to it. This week, we have a single guest. We're going to take a little bit of extra time to delve into the important topic of doctor burnout once again. This is the third episode in a series of in-depth conversations we've had with Dr. Dyke Drummond, MD, who's a family doctor and CEO of thehappymd.com. He's coached and trained over 40,000 doctors for over 175 organization and association clients since 2010. His burnout prevention matrix white paper shares 235 different ways to stop physician burnout. Today, we talk about how each of us has actually three energy accounts, a physical, emotional, and spiritual account. The different types of energy serve different purposes because we are more than just physical beings, especially when functioning as a physician caring for patients. When each account falls into a negative balance, it gives rise to different symptoms of burnout, and each account is filled in a completely different way. Dr. Drummond explains how you can take the time to take care of yourself and prevent sliding into burnout. Such an important topic. Enjoy listening. All right, today we're back with Dyke Drummond, MD, and Dyke's been a regular guest of ours on this podcast, and we're here on our third part, and it's great seeing you again, Dyke. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. And I think the first two times we talked a little bit about what some of the indications are that a physician's having problems, and the first few steps as to how to look about what you're going to do to get this, this job in a better position and to prevent physician burnout. Can you just summarize for me what some of the symptoms are of physician burnout? Well, the symptoms are pretty straightforward. There's exhaustion. And uh, when you're exhausted, this is something that doesn't respond to rest. So it's physical and emotional exhaustion, doesn't respond to normal rest, downward spiral. And the little voice in your head will say something like, I'm not sure how much longer I can keep going like this. When I do a, a, a live presentation, I start it by saying, how many of you have ever had a day or a week so stressful? Then at a quiet moment, a little voice in the back of your head says, I'm not sure how much longer I can keep going like this. And I hold my hand up nice and high and I wait and see how many hands go up. Guess what? It's so far 40,000 doctors. It's been every hand every time. So we're all very familiar with the sensation of exhaustion, but that's just one of the symptoms of burnout. The second symptom of burnout is actually a reflection of your emotional exhaustion because it's when you're cynical, sarcastic, you're cracking dark jokes about mm. your patients, the people that you're supposed to be caring for. It's also called compassion fatigue. And the third symptom of burnout is where you say, what's the use? Little voice usually says, what's the use? I'm really not making a difference here. It's a disconnect between your work and your purpose. So if yeah. your purpose is to be a helper and a healer, and you don't feel like you're able to do that kind of stuff, that's actually, if you, if you look at these three symptoms, they correspond to three energy accounts inside every human being. So exhaustion is when you've tapped out your physical energy account. Cynical, sarcastic is when you have tapped out your emotional 
energy account. And you can't be emotionally present for somebody else. And the third one, what's the use? That's when you've tapped out your spiritual energy account. You've lost any connection with the purpose in what you do. And so what I think we're going to talk about today is those three energy accounts and how you fill them. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to hear about that. It sounds really interesting. Well, and, and it's also interesting to think about, if you're a physician, think about the history of your relationship with these energy accounts, right? So, yeah. if, if Usually not a healthy well, one. Well, <laughs> actually, we're trained, to, we're trained to be bad at it because we're trained to absolutely deny these basic human urges of our physiology, right? So, when I say physical energy account, if you were going to fill your physical energy account, what would you do? Mm. Probably go for a walk. You'd probably eat well. I mean, I, what I always joke about is, is it like extra strong coffee and Krispy Kreme? Is that, is that how you get your energy account up? And the answer is yes. That's how somebody copes with it sometimes. But if you think about it, think about the, the actual training events of how to be a doctor, the seminal events of conditioning as a physician, as a resident or a medical student. I don't know about you, but for me, my residency at Mayo had work schedules that honored our circadian rhythms. We had a fully tricked out gym available 24-7 and um, uh, 24-7 a cafeteria access to locally sourced, free-range, non-GMO vegan foods and things like that, right? So, so what do we actually learn to do in residency? We learn to go beyond all normal boundaries, to go into the red on these energy accounts. We learn to not yeah. eat well, not have regular sleep patterns. We learn simply to survive. So when I see right. somebody who has a really good physical self-care regimen, typically they develop that in their recovery from their first episode of burnout. And I also firmly believe that every doctor burns out at some point. I see. Anybody says, okay. I've never burned out, they're a liar. <laughs> I'm just telling you that because burnout and, and just to recognize it, right? Burnout is that place in your life where things weren't quite going the way you wanted to and you made a significant change. And now that you look back at that point in your life, you say, thank God I made that change or I wouldn't be where I am now. That's burnout. Burnout bounces you back onto a path with more purpose. So, so are you saying that burnout is actually not only just a natural byproduct of of the sorts of work we do, but it's it's to be anticipated. And most people can't make a decision in their late twenties about a career that's constantly changing and evolving that will stick for forty years or fifty years for a full career. So everybody gets off the track, and you can tell when you start to feel like, ah, eh, this isn't it. I'm exhausted. I'm really not having any fun. When you finally make that change, burnout is here to make you uncomfortable enough that you'll actually turn back to purpose, whatever it is, right? I see. So for instance, me, I stopped practicing medicine at the age of 40 and turned back into what I really loved to do, which was personal development and coaching and things like that. I happen to have wrapped it back into taking care of burned out doctors, but I have never, ever, ever felt that I was not a doctor. I see. I consider myself a doctor now. All my patients are doctors Sure. Are you with me? But yeah, I'm, totally. I'm still a helper and a healer that's making a difference. So I've stayed on track, but just changed the way that I address this urge in me. Excellent. Okay, good point. So let's talk about those banks. 
Uh, sorry, accounts. <laughs> Energy accounts, banks, whatever it is. Just remember that this is something that can have a positive balance. And just like your money account at the bank, there's a zero line and then you can go way into the negative. Doctors learn in residency to show up when your energy is below zero. Meaning all of your friends that didn't go to medical school on that day when your energy is below zero, they just simply call in sick. Right? Yes. And, and we never do that. No. So the emotional energy account is an interesting one. How do you fill your emotional energy account? And here's what I recommend you consider. Just think for a second about everybody that you love. You say, you know, just count them off. Maybe even make a list on a piece of paper. You know, I love this person and this person and this person. As you, as you list these names out, who is it on this list where it's just been way too long since you connected with them, right? You right. love them. They love you, but you haven't connected with them in 18 months. If you have uh, empty spots in those relationships scattered through the list of people that you love, your emotional energy count isn't full. So my recommendation is to make the list, check the people who you need to connect with, and do it. Send them a letter, give them a phone call, write them an email, pay them a visit, buy them a cup of coffee, whatever it takes. Because if you've spent what you feel is an adequate amount of quality time with everybody you love in your life, your tank's going to be full and you're really not going to have any trouble being emotionally present for somebody who's in distress in your practice. So so that's number two. And then the third account, purpose. How do you do this? How do you fill your account with spiritual energy in the form of a sense of being on purpose and making a difference? And I sort of backed my way into understanding how this works, but we've got a technique now that is just magic, and, I, and I, uh, let me tell you the history of it. So I was working with doctors who were having trouble coming up with an ideal job description. And remember, it's important to always know what your ideal job description shows you're working in that direction, even though they never teach you this concept in residency. So some doctors, I say, okay, in an ideal world, if you could control the universe, if you had a magic wand, what kind of job would you have? What's your ideal job? And people would just get completely lost. They'd give me a big old open mouth stare looking like a goldfish at me in the camera, right? Or they'd say, I've never been asked that before. Really struggling, And so what I tried to do is I tried to get at it through feelings. So what I said was, okay, let's just go back to your last ideal patient encounter. So let's go back to the last time after you saw a patient, you pumped your fist and said, yes, that's why I became a doctor in the first place. Or when you went home, you said, honey, 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 sit down. I got to tell you what happened to me today. And I said, tell me that story. And over and over and over again, for hundreds of doctors, I asked them, tell me your ideal patient encounter story. I would let them pick the patient they told me about, and then I'd slow them down. What did you do? What happened? What did they say? What did you say? And what it turns out is that there's a marker for an ideal patient encounter. Over 95% of the time, the patient or a family member of the patient will say two words at some point in this encounter. And you know what they are. What are they? Thank, Thank you. you. When I tell this story, every time I've, I've told how we got here, how, what to do when a patient says thank you, and I raise my hands, how many of you, when you think about your ideal patient encounter, was thank you there? All the hands will go up. So anytime a, anytime a patient or a family member says thank you, or even a coworker sometimes says thank you, is a marker 
for an ideal patient encounter. It's a marker for a hit of purpose energy that's coming your way. And I didn't stop with just having them describe what the patient encounter is like. I said, okay. And when they said, thank you, describe the scene to me. So they're saying thank you to you. Freeze the scene and describe it to me. And nine times out of ten, the doctor had their, they, they had either their workstation on wheels in front of them or they had a tablet under their arm. They had their hand on the doorknob. They weren't facing the patient because they were 20 minutes behind and, and had to move on. <laughs> and then I said, well, what did you say back? And they said, yeah, you know, no big deal. It's a pleasure. You're welcome. And then they hushed. They hurried out of the room. And only later did they remember that was really cool. So here's what I recommend. Here's what I recommend, because basically what the doctors did was all this laser beam energy was coming at them, and they blew it. It skipped off a shoulder blade as they were leaving the room or something like that. They certainly didn't take it on 100%. So we came up with a protocol, and I've tested across hundreds of doctors, never failed. Now, you're going to be shy to do what I'm about to tell you, but I encourage you to do it and just find out for yourself what it's like. So the next time a patient or family member says, thank you, stop whatever you're doing, turn and face the patient or the family member if you're not facing them and empty your hands, put your feet shoulder width apart, your hands at your sides with your palms facing forward. Take a big breath and say, can you say that again? (laughs) Everybody always laughs when I say that, right? So can you say that again? Now, I want to just freeze right now. So just pause for just a second. Think about what the patient's feeling when they say thank you to you and they watch it miss. And and realize this isn't, you're not a white person at a restaurant giving them good service with lunch at the lunch counter. You made a significant difference in either this person's life or one of their family members. And they want to thank you. And you know what you want to see when you say thank you to somebody? You want to see it land. So I want you to know, you not doing what I'm about to tell you rips them off. It'll actually sometimes make them actually frustrated with you because you weren't able to sit and take this thank you. So empty your hands, turn and face them. Ask if they can say it again. And as they say thank you that second time, because I've never heard of a patient refusing. Never heard of it. Take a big deep breath in. And imagine you're a huge love sponge and that you're going to soak this up in just the right (laughs) amount in all the right places. Big breath, right? And then take another big breath in and then respond to the patient or the family member in whatever way you want. Just make sure you come from your heart and not from your head. So my index patient is always Mavis. I might say something like this. Mavis, taking care of you has reminded me of why I became a doctor in the first place. You are so welcome. Now get out of my office and I don't want to see you again until your next regularly scheduled (laughs) follow-up visit. And then take your stuff and go. You're going to be way happier. The family, the patient's going to be way happier right? And here's, here's another thing that I ask people. And again, they always tell me the same thing. I say, okay, remember that day of that ideal patient encounter? Think about later that day. How was your energy level? And I just go like this. And everybody in the room puts their thumb up. How about your physical energy? Thumb up. Emotional energy? Thumb up. So what ends up happening is if you can take the thank you full on like that, this is the keystone, right? So 
a shot of spiritual energy fills all three tanks. It's like it's like the movie Monsters yeah. Inc. Do you remember? Monsters, Inc., where they would get energy from the screams of the kids, right? But then at the end of the movie, what happened? They learned that laughter is 10 times more powerful. Are you with me? Laughter is 10 times more powerful. So fear of liability will drive one behavior in your practice, but taking a patient thank you full on the chest will actually help you get through a difficult practice for a period of days or weeks. The other thing you can do is say, okay, How else can I use this ideal patient encounter observation? Well, it goes like this. When I asked you to think of an ideal patient encounter, how far back did you have to go? Was it this week? That's good. Was it last year? That's bad. Because the more rare an ideal patient encounter is, the less attuned your practice is to you and your personal needs and your personal light worker energy. So that's the three energetic bank accounts, the three symptoms of what to do when a patient says thank you. And again, it's a piece of a strategy to maintain those account balances. And everybody I tell it to always laughs just like you did. (laughs) Ask him to say it again. Everybody always cracks up. They say, They're very hesitant to do so. And what I'm saying is just do it and see what happens. Good point. I will. Okay, cool. (laughs) Well, and and one more thing. So we've talked about how you use the frequency of ideal patient encounters to diagnose the match between you and your practice. There's another one. For people who work with you, if you ask your staff their ideal encounter, it's when you tell them thank you. So what you have is the ability to make someone's day just by your thank you. And what I encourage you to do is if they're not facing you or they shine you off, yeah, no problem. Don't worry about it, doc. And they try to take us like, stop, turn and face me. Look at me in the eyes. I want to say thank you to you. I thank you to you. You got to be very careful about your language. I thank you for the effort that you put in yesterday, especially with Mrs. Smith. You were magnificent with her daughter. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And make sure it lands. You make their day. Smart. Good. So where do we go from here? We have the energy banks and accounts and the landing of the thank you. What's the next step? Well, and this is, uh, this is a piece of the seven habits of physician well-being, which is basically put your mask on first. Understand that you can't give what you ain't got. Yeah. You will show up when your energy accounts are in the red and below zero, and you'll do the best that you can. But we know from all the research that your, your efforts will not would just be a shadow of what you're capable of if your energy accounts are positive. We've also talked about um, ideal job description, the vent of happiness. That's, that's how to win. Another thing that we can talk about is when you know how to win the game, when you know your ideal job description and what you're looking for, the question is, if this is my definition of how I win, my ideal job description, is this the place to play? Can I win, can I win this game? in this practice. And so job search and understanding the different 
uh, revenue models of different business models of the practice of medicine is extremely important. And so I think our next episode, we might want to talk about that. Excellent. Terrific. Thank you so much, Dyke. You're welcome. And I mean that. Look at me. Look me in the eye. I am. And absorb it. Can you say that again? (laughs) That was wonderful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. (laughs) That's all the time we have for this week's podcast. But thank you so much for listening. And I hope that you found this an important topic to address. Please let us know if you have feedback. We're always open to it. And we're happy to take any requests or suggestions into account. All right. Stay safe and stay healthy and talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Physicians Weekly. Physicians Weekly offers in-depth interviews with the most highly respected experts in the medical community. Physicians Weekly is produced in collaboration with Medicom Medical Publishers and Physicians Weekly. 